0: that
1: left me now with the choice to turn in my friends and be a part of this horrible crime. And I'm not going to be a part of this horrible crime. The only way to not be a part of the horrible crime is to discover the truth and to pursue it.
0: Horizontal protection is the only way to ensure that all those who report wrongdoings in the interest of the public do not suffer from any sort of retaliation.
1: they're attacking journalists. Uh, They use it to attack uh, the whistleblowers. You know, the people who should be in prison usually get promoted, and the people who blow the whistles go to prison. We have it upside down. Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Counter Accounts. I am Samariaz, and thank you for your interest in my show. In this podcast, I invite whistleblowers, investigative journalists, officials from the public, private and NGO sectors, and different researchers and scientists who have either dealt with or confronted the dominant narratives in our society. So let's hear their stories. Hello folks, and welcome again to another compelling episode of Counter Accounts. And today's conversation promises to be nothing short of enlightening. But before we dive into this captivating discussion, I want to share something special about this episode. So we're bringing you a two-part series featuring not one, but two brilliant PhD scholars in the realm of global taxation. One of the founding principles of Counter Accounts is to provide a platform for both seasoned experts and emerging voices in the field. Today, we continue that mission by inviting two exceptional young researchers who are making waves in the world of taxation. In the first part of our series, we'll be joined by one of these remarkable researchers, and his name is Siddhaj Rao from India. Sid is a PhD researcher at the Institute of Austrian and International Tax Law at Vienna University of Economics and Business with extensive practical experience in accounting and taxation. His research encompasses topics such as money laundering, illicit financial flows, taxation crime, and governance. He has presented his findings at global conferences and he has collaborated with UNCTAD, which is the UN Conference on Trade and Development, and the World Bank. Sid also provides capacity-building training and teaches international tax law across various countries and continents. His dissertation focuses on examining the transparency of ultimate beneficial ownership in Kenya, Nigeria and South Africa addressing significant tax revenue losses in Africa. His goal is to evaluate relevant standards, assess local legal frameworks, and provide policy recommendations for combating tax evasion, corruption, and money laundering. Together, we'll embark on a voyage through the intricate web of the political economy of global taxation. We'll journey through the corridors of power where international tax policies are forged and where they have profound implications. But our exploration doesn't stop here. In the next episode, we'll have the privilege of welcoming our second guest to delve even deeper into the complexities of global taxation and tax havens. Furthermore, we'll peer into the fascinating world of politics and society examining how international taxation shapes political landscapes and influences social justice and equity. And finally, we'll address the critical question of how global taxation is linked to the development of emerging economies and the global south. This is where theory meets reality and where our guests invaluable insights come into play. So get ready for a thought-provoking discussion that promises to unveil the layer of complexity surrounding global taxation. Without further ado, let's dive. Sid, it is great to have you here. So tell us about your story and journey and the circumstances that led you to research involving the political economy of international taxation.
0: Uh, first of all, thank you, Samar, for the warm welcome and the, for the nice words. And I'm delighted to be here on your podcast and discuss the whatever the experience which I had from past five to ten years. I'm being in this field uh, last past five years in academics. Before that, in practice, and as a subject which is close to my heart, and and maybe perhaps sharing some of the, my experiences, my journey, and what how I have come what I have been now so yeah I'm delighted to be here so you know uh, the thing is I'm by profession and I'm not a lawyer I'm neither I am let's say, an economist I am the third person and third person is accountant I'm, I am an accountant by profession and this is where I I uh, accounting being it's a mixture of let's say law tax law it, it's also part of accounting and numbers related to money, some aspects of economics. So it's it's so it was a field when when I started my my chartered accountancy degrees in India, I had exposure to both in terms of economics of how the numbers are, how the de- how in terms of, uh, demanded demand and supply. How does the world economy works? And as a law field, tax law. So the both the things had a uh, 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 while studying during my accountancy studies they both had a quite a significant impact and then then when i started working uh i i was after i finishing my my accountancy i was working for for 4 years in an accountancy firm in india it was uh the my focus was on international tax and trust pricing uh while deep thing with Uh, you know when you are actually in practice you see many things how how dealing with the trust surprising cases dealing with the application of tax treaty cases and providing opinions in in practice and and while doing that i i used to come across you know now what we now talk about the cases of uh so-called aggressive tax planning so-called the cases of for mispricing and all those cases, so actually, you know, during my my practice years, I saw on the other side of the fence, I saw that these things are happening, and this is something I I felt that though it is uh, it's something needs to be done. You know, it's like well, so. What do you? Uh, mean, there is always this. Sorry, what do you? Yeah. What do you mean by transfer
1: pricing? I mean, it would be good for for us to you know for the listeners to know those who don't have accountancy background.
0: Yeah, sir. certainly. Maybe not just to give a, a basic, uh, uh, to say it in a, in a simple parlance. What is what is trans surprising? Imagine, uh, there is a husband and a wife. Yeah, husband has a let's say has a cell phone, and he, and he sells that cell phone to his wife, but he sells it not at the market rate, but without any price because she is. Her, his wife, yeah. and how does it affect? In if, if I look at from the this is just a philosophical way of saying how does from tax handle comes into it? Because if you are selling it, the husband is selling. Imagine the husband is a business. Husband will claim an expenditure, and his taxes will be lower. Right, but imagine on the other side side, the wife, she is getting a benefit. But she's not at all doing any, any. No, there is nothing. Uh, because there is, she's actually not, or if she's, even if she's paying a price, that price is if she had bought it into the real market, the price would have been much more. So if you put this same scenario in a cross-border perspective, where two countries are in the world, where two tax authorities are in the world, it's a really big game where, where international corporations who have subsidiaries, who have Yep. We have branches. We have different groups. So it's mm-hmm. it's a big tax issue there.
1: Right, right, right. And 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 companies, multinational companies, use mm-hmm. transfer pricing to lower their profits, then so that they can pay ta- low taxes. Is is
0: that the the gist? Right. Mm-hmm. True. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And also, I would not say low taxes because low taxes uh, just to optimize their taxes. Okay. Because in the end. Uh, the, the, the what has been the approach of the companies is that having the maximum value being generated, you know, just imagine the companies, the stock price, everything. What is the overall philosophy of a company yeah. is to generate as much profit as possible and to bring in as much shareholder value to the shareholders as much as possible. Right. And one of the ways they do it is by way of paying in a legal way and less taxes as possible.
1: So here, if I'm a shareholder, depend, you know, based on what we've just discussed. So if I'm a shareholder, yeah, happy days. I'll be very happy, right? Because I'm getting value for so. So I'm a winner here, right? So, so what's the problem? Who is the loser in this game?
0: Well, the loser is actually if you have to look for the losers. The losers, I would say, are the countries who are supposed to get the revenue but are not getting those revenue. Right. And I would say here, I would say those, perhaps for me, uh, an example of such losers will be countries from the global south.
1: Right, right. So okay. they, they
0: imagine these countries are developing a, an emerging economy and they find themselves in this such a challenging situation. Why and they they want to attract foreign investment to boost their economy? They also need robust tax revenues to fund their development. Men's project public services imagine you know this there was this case of COVID-19 right. to, to procure the vaccine to fund the vaccines from these international companies and if the a country which already has a much lesser budget and on top of it, this calamity as which has happened they have to pay that much money to buy the vaccine they will not have any money for let's say build hospitals build roads, schools. Right. So it's, it's, it's a big issue for, in terms of uh, uh, the society and, 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 and the development of a society.
1: So from our discussion so far, I can see that it is not purely an economic or financial matter, but also a political or a geopolitical matter. So who are the main actors in this whole discourse that you have found through your research and practice?
0: Yeah, well, sure, sure. Maybe maybe just before I, I get into the question of uh, uh of uh, uh who are the actors maybe just uh just to you know, just to emphasize this point that how it is deeply in, not just it's in an economic issue but it's also a political issue I just wanted to re- emphasize this right so so if you look at a taxation while it's fundamentally an economic instrument to generate revenue for the public budgets many country with those but that money will be utilized for different purposes as I emphasized before court but it's actually it's linked to politics Mm -hmm. if you look at it the decision of who gets taxed and how much gets taxed and where that revenue is will be allocated are all political choices right these are not economic choices yeah it's all the decisions which are done by the government Mm -hmm. Yep. And this choice reflects nation's priorities, it's, its it's socio-economic goals, even its geopolitical strategies. For example, if you look at the, the issue of, of tax incentives, now, I won't go into pillar 2, what pillar 2 is saying about tax incentives, how it is problematic, but for if you look at the tax incentives in the past, what was happening is, tax incentives for certain industries, mm. let's say, the companies in Asia for electronic industries, it might be a reflection of countries' ambition to be a global leader in that sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine uh, tax incentives for chip industry in the US now, because US is now again, now there is this issue of US against China and all those political issues of we should have a self-reliance of, on on chips. Yep. So having the tax incentives, it's actually... It shows that it's a it's a it's a geopolitical it's a part of geopolitical strategy. Similarly, that let's say for example, if you get, look at some countries who give tax breaks for wealthy or corporation, right, it can be indicative of rather nations tilt towards supplier side economies. Believing right. that let's say if you give breaks to the wealthier or or companies, it will create many jobs, have many more investments. And I I think it's uh, it's a rather much more uh, uh, much more a political issue also, not just an economic issue. Yeah. So this is something I uh, I, I I think uh, needs to be uh, certainly needs to be paid that attention. But now getting back to your question of, um, of actors who are actually actors in this uh, discourse, uh, I think there are many actors each. Each actor has their own interest, and each actor brings their own perspectives to the table. So everybody has to look every when we analyze these actors, we need to look at from their each perspective. For example, the first primary actor is the government, right. who is the primary stakeholder. Yep. They design and implement tax policies. Yep. They negotiate treaties. They are directly impacted by the revenue generated by their tax policies and 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 by the enforcement of those tax policy so so and and also their 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 primary concern is not just collecting as much tax as possible but also to balance with an environment which is conducive to business you know it's like government cannot just raise taxes and, and imagine that yeah. all the businesses will be staying in that country yeah. so the primary the primary stakeholder or the primary actor in this uh, discourse is the is the government right yeah right uh, uh, second one I would say is is the multinational corporations who have businesses and not in one country but across of many countries they have their vast resources, their balance sheet of billion dollars their global presence, employees of 50,000, 40,000 employees. I think they play a really big role in influencing tax policies. And how do they influence? What sort of
1: observable activities have you come across in your research?
0: Well, in my research, but something which is also, I think, publicly evident, maybe you have seen the um, the UK... Uh, parliamentary uh, questioning of many some of the multinationals of where they are paying taxes and why they are not paying taxes in the UK and and those questioning says something yeah it's right. like they are what they are trying to do and you know it's not just if for example if you look in the US right. I, I would say US and just giving you an example of US but in other countries it may not be so much publicly available it's right. Imagine uh, politicians being funded by organizations, that for lobbying right. for certain proposals, for for favoring certain tax policies. Right. I think right. it's it's that's why I think it's uh, multinational corporations are I think quite uh, an important actors in this uh, in right. this international tax discourse. So lobbying as well is another observable indicator. Yeah, lobbying is the, yeah, lobbying you see uh, while they are lobbying through the, the tax advisory associations and right. through, through different ways. Yeah. So let's talk about
1: global tax avoidance. So what's the difference between tax avoidance and evasion?
0: Well, the thing is, uh, if I have to say in a completely, uh, uh, in, a, in a legal way, tax avoidance is legal. Right. And tax evasion is illegal. Right. Why would I, why do I say this? Is because as uh, any law or not just any law, what it prescribes is if a law says it, if you can do something within the four corners of the law, it's completely allowed. And as such, if anything which you have done within the four corners of law, as long as it does not violate the law, you are in fully compliance with it it's completely legal right and that's why anyway the and tax avoidance was into those that area where you are you are checking box of all the you know you are you have fulfilled all the requirements which right. are within the law right in the letter right but the problem starts with the spirit you know it's the yeah. as you now is the word tax avoidance but now what we are the the word has been uh, evolved into addressing tax planning right. you know previously there was uh, tax planning now it's the word is aggressive tax planning and the problem start with is where do we draw the boundaries because it's really difficult to draw the boundaries because law is as a as a as a field it's it is what it is it's like you define something yeah at least you do it yep and then you fall into it otherwise you you don't fall into it, so and to describe what is tax avoidance, what is addressing tax planning, it's really difficult to define something. So that's where the problem starts.
1: Right, right, and and some some would argue that international tax com- competitions perpetuate a, a race to bottom, where you know countries continuously lower their tax rates to attract foreign investments.
0: Yeah, uh, certainly. I think maybe I mean maybe just to re emphasize maybe for your your viewers who. Uh, for what is a re- this to the bottom is yeah uh you know uh maybe uh just to to go back to this what is the term race to the bottom is It's in generally it is used to describe uh where countries are lowering their tax rates right and why they are lowering their tax rate to to attract foreign investment so they are actually uh, competing against each other and the way of competition is lowering. The tax rates right. especially for multinational corporations so how would you
1: counter the argument of the strong believers in the free market who would argue that in a free market it's a competition like any other context so what's the problem
0: well uh, uh, yeah uh, I, I completely agree like if we if we say that the from the free market perspective it's a completely a proper way of because in the free market free economy who is the best the survival of the fittest is the fittest country will survive and but i think which one we also need to understand is the uh, survival of the fittest is when the both the competitors are equal i can I, I i completely buy this theory when i say when two people are on the same level of development same level of education same level of let's say uh, 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 an economy with same level of hospitals services mm. infrastructure When well, it is two economies are just some same category the free market economy definitely this argument could work but the what the problem with race to bottom starts out the this competition, is not between the same, like the people who are on the same brackets, but it's between com- countries from the global north and countries from the global south.
1: Right. Right. So your argument is that if we continue with the race to bottom strategy, then the countries in the global south will never get to the same place in terms of development as we have in the global north. And it doesn't create a level playing field, right?
0: That's my that's my, and and this is not just the issue about the taxes you know what we have been currently seeing is like this the global climate C O P summits and everywhere now there has been a contention that countries like India Pakistan Nigeria the developing world should not have the pollution or the the pollution uh, like they should tap in which which these countries have the arguments that if we don't do well, don't for we don't develop our infrastructure for which we need to do this activity which may entail pollution yeah. then we may not be able to develop you know whereas the countries who are making these arguments they are already developed they have they had been polluters many years before
1: yeah right
0: so you know it's like it, just the the arguments and which level of development you are and and how do you compare with with other countries so it's all uh comparability issue i would say
1: so, so, in terms of global taxation landscape, do you think we are fair or close to fair in terms of taxation and its role in development um, of the global south? If not, what sort of reforms would you like to see?
0: Well, um, I mean, uh, the, the the current international uh, taxation landscape, OECD you know, the countries, the inclusive framework. Uh, or, or what has been happening now? At its current form, it does exhibit significant disparities. You know, it's like now, with, you know, what we see is uh, uh, UN being called on to take a prominent role into the tax discussions. It's not just uh, previously; it was just the OECD, but now it has been recognized that mm. the countries from the global south they also need to have their voices, uh, be heard into this policy. Discussion or policy framing, which is being formed at the OECD level, so so I think it's uh, the the there I see a big disparity because now it's being changed. It's it's a, it's the starting point of a change in terms of what is happening at the UN and what, in, what is happening at the various discussion. For example, if you look at the African uh, ATAF, which is the federation of uh, uh, African Tax Administrations Forum, right. which is being active in many of the discussions at the OECD level, at the uh, at the UN level, it says that the the countries from the global south, who are many developing or em- emerging economies, they are not just uh, what used to happen before. They are not just sitting and following what is being happening at the OECD, the which is the group of the rich or elite or, or developed right. nations but currently they are trying to bring it in their what is the problem they are raising their hands if something is not happening they are not keeping their mouth shut so they are raising the issues and i think this is just a starting point which the starting point why i say the starting point if you would have looked at this before the BEPS project 10 years before uh I would say it wouldn't have been the scenario. Just imagine, you know, if I have to give an example to you, it's from my own country, India. It's like uh, the, in some of the countries in Europe, mm. to get a bank of information from trust. Right, right. Uh, there is a, in a country in Europe which is famous for trust. Once you put anything into the trust, even... A guard, even their own government cannot figure out what is there inside the trust. It's called for because of their banking secrecy laws. Right. They were so much tough. And that country was known all around the world for their banking secrecy. But after there were some big countries, the big countries, U.S. and then my own country also, they were able to, because of their influence, they were able to get that much information. But imagine if 10, 15 years before. Right. It wouldn't have been possible, and, and not just I would not just say that uh, why uh, why such uh, countries who are having who are ha- having such banking secrecy law is problematic is because many of the African countries where there is corruption, right, the money flows into these accounts, you know, and to enforce or to bring those perpetrators of corruption to justice, right. you need to have an evidence. You need to go through this account, and if you have this tax havens, banty secrecy laws, and all those things, then the countries from the global south will not be able to do anything. But now it's changing, like the change is happening.
1: Right. I mean, if you look at the leaks on tax havens, including Panama Papers and Pandora Papers, we had political and business personalities, including some heads of states and their... Families uh, on those lists who have been using those tax avoidance schemes for years, but why now? What triggered that change? Why is there such urgency now?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know the the such trigger in of urgency would be if I have to describe in one word is is uh, sunrise of transparency.
1: Right, that But the reason know, more there is... Be, you know, there is more appetite for transparency now is that
0: yeah there, there, there is like the transparency had not been at so much extent than what it is being now for example look at the role of civil societies right or, or the journalists from his data leaks who are having this press conferences or the consortium of journalists this who the the people the journalist consortium who leaked this panama papers Right. Who are still having the screw of information? Journalists coming together, the civil society organization who are actually pushing for the change. In my country, CBCR, which was not at all there previously. Right. The exchange of information agreements, which were not at all existing. That's why countries, even if they wanted the information, they couldn't access that information. Right. So right. legal framework has changed. Transparency has changed. Because of civil society, because of internet. Many things imagine one you know, previously there was an issue, but because nowadays imagine one some one case of corruption happens. It's on the WhatsApp of all the people and it's like one share one video on youtube and it's everybody in the morning and it will be shared with everybody's whatsapp this person and i don't have to go far away It's like if i have to look into my the my, my in my, my my home in india my mother my mother gets all the information of what is happening in the whatsapp right. and like who is done what and in the whatsapp room. so the world is not the same as before right. it's like the information sharing it's much more faster and there is much more how would say the there is, a, uh, there is an over-eye aura, aura on you right. of all the activities being... Just look at the the uh, annual report of Anglo-American. It's like 300, 400 pages with 50, 60 pages just on tax. Right. The tax is not uh, a side dish now. It's a, a primary meal right. now to the, right. to the dish of the many international,
1: yeah. So what are the urgent issues in international taxation that you would like to be dealt with to speed up the development process in emerging economies and, and developing countries?
0: Uh, well, there are many issues, but maybe since we... Uh, uh, just, I will just highlight a few of those. One thing, as I mentioned, transparency, it's, now it's at a much more level than what it was before, but still, there is, it's not an harmonized transparency. See, some countries there is too much transparency, but if you look at the countries from the global south or a few countries in the in the developed world, there is not much transparency. Right. So, I, like implementing global standards for reporting and disclosure, which are harmonized where every country follows the same definition, same rules understands the same meaning, there are no gaps in between the implementation in 2-3 countries, so that person who wants to to escape the reporting, he can take benefit of cross-border uh, loopholes. So if if those loopholes are being passed up, then it could really help in you know creating an environment where uh, uh, where uh, lack of international taxation, the issue of what we have discussed, won't be there. The second issue is the uh, the what has been currently going on is the minimum tax rate, and this discussions is currently going on, and I think it's. It's hopefully it will reach its conclusive end. Uh, the 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 most and the, the other also issue which I think is the fair representation. Fair representation, as I said, it's being now. It's being uh, there. There is being a movement, but I still think uh, countries they need to recognize that uh, con- countries from the global south they should be and must have a significant. I would say, seeing the international tax reforms right. and negotiations. And not just when I, mean, I say reforms and negotiations, but also in various policy organizations, whether it's at the OECD, whether it's at the UN, or whether it's at the, some other international level. Right. You so know, it's like not just uh, um, that the policy is being created at uh, by some few countries, but also it's an it's not just the word is inclusive, but it's in. Uh, not in theory, but also actually in spirit. It's inclusive, no, right? So all the countries are being taken on board, and it's all their views of South countries. They are also being, uh, being taken into account. I think that's uh one. And the, and the last one, perhaps I won't go into tax treaties and other issues of tax evasion, but one thing also is capacity building. You know, right. it's like the the much issue which I see. Imagine I talked to you about cross pricing. right? But it's not an easy, easy topic, you know, so like if you go in the methods, comparable, uncontrollable price method, pnmm method, you know, it's, it's, those issues are really complicated, you know, the, 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 the theory, how to implement that in practice, how to enforce those rules and the problem starts with the officers, they don't have training to on those days and they don't have training. It's not that they don't want to, it's just that there are not much they the being done to train them or if they don't have the expertise to bring in people or hire people yeah. can do those jobs. Right. So I think it's it's important that countries from the global south or the countries who want to have those revenues, they also should make sure that they their their personal, they are capable. They have the expertise to implement those laws. Huh? And they don't I do understand correctly. No, it's not that you you do it something, and that when it gets disputed, it's gone. Right. They understand the law correctly. They implement. It. And imagine the the world has been has been at so much advantages there to this global south. Just imagine there are tools like GPT or the, the emergence of artificial intelligence.
1: Right. Right.
0: Imagine artificial intelligence. can do so much to train, right. to find out the anomalies, to assist the tax authorities. Right. If the, if the Global South countries could uh, really take benefit of artificial intelligence, I think it's a really, I would say, it's, it's, it's the golden period for the, right. the Global South country to use this technology.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can observe that even in, in terms of technology and its distribution. The countries in the Global South appear to lag behind. Uh, and there is a clear disparity and inequality in their access as highlighted by various world leaders on different platforms. I mean, let's discuss tax havens. I know I will have a Federica in part two to delve deeper into this topic, but I would like to hear your thoughts for now.
0: Well the thing is, you know, if I had to um I haven't researched much on tax haven. I think Federica it would be much more, yeah, yeah. to much more go deeper into tax haven. But one of the my my you know my uh if I have to say a taxi when I won't take the name of a country. Right. Uh there is a country in the Indian Ocean. Right. It was like there is nothing in that country. Only thing that country has is is banks. Right. But banks and the trustee agents. You go there. You relax on the beach. You go to bank. No documents needed. You know, just you don't need anything. They will arrange everything. Or you, you just relax and the the money being what is the source of revenue being generated by that country is through this services of banking through custodial services opening of this this account like unknown account without people knowing who is the actual beneficial holder of those accounts so actually you know this is actually an industry in itself yeah, yeah. and and countries are benefiting from all those charges, the money which is being saved there, that money is being utilized for some other purpose and other things. So I would say it's a way of earning revenue at the cost of other countries, which is the, it's not a good business. No, I right. know it's like there are different types of business. One is right business, one is wrong business. Right. So I would say these these countries are in the wrong business. Right. And they are not in a, in a I would say, uh, which is convincing or moral type of business. But again, in the, in the end, nobody looks at it. Everybody looks at the profit right. the same way they, they care about their their bottom line and that money, that money they can use for putting lights on the beaches or making beach more shiny. Yeah. So, But they might argue we don't
1: have any other significant ins- investments in industry or agriculture. All we can offer are these tax haven services um, and there is a demand for it and we excel at it. So why not? Why should we stop or shut down as we have we, as we have to look after our interests and our citizens, etc.? So how would you respond to that argument?
0: Well, it's, it's a good business. Uh, uh, why should they shut down? Yeah, it's, um, uh, if I were to say, you know, it's like uh, an illegal casino. It's like you're saying it's like making a business, but you're t- telling like why should I shut down? Because yeah. you know it's making lot of business, but it's making people gambler. They are taking their money which they could use for their family. Right? Addiction. The fam. The so- the structure of the society is being ruined and all those things. You know, it's like on one side there is an argument that oh okay you are making money, but on-, on the other side if you have to look at the side effects, the social structure, yeah. the that money which could be used for the the Infrastructure development in other countries, the companies taking this route of, and you know, um, here I'm just focusing on the taxes. But the thing is, you know, when you tax the net into the sea, not just the fish that is you have to you can eat that comes into the net, but also other things like poisonous thing Same thing as you have tax and It's not just the people who are just evading taxes, but also money launderers, drug traffickers prostitution, people who are doing child trafficking, or you attract all those peoples. Mm. So it just, no, it's not about the, it's, it's about doing the right thing. It's, right? I know they are benefiting it, but there are social consequences of their actions.
1: Right. Could you please share the challenges you have encountered and how do you plan to enhance the discourse through your work?
0: One of the challenges I think which I came across was uh, accessing the information, you know, so right. uh, a- accessing these information from from the the parties which are which are part of the equation, whether it's a government or whether it's a it's a private en- or whether it's a private entity. It's really difficult to access that information, right. or even to have a conversation with those people who are, let's say, the countries from the tax havens or, or or who are doing such type of things. It's really difficult to. To understand uh, uh, their view. so getting access to the, that information is a challenge. And second is not just the information challenge, but also there is how would say there is a counter force. Counter force. I would not mention something, but there are, as I said before, there are not there are lobbying organizations. Right. Yeah. And the one one is the lobbying organization, and one is you no. Know, let's say for example, you're you're doing a, a let's say you have to do your research and you think certain professionals or certain industry or certain individuals they are doing something which is it doesn't fall into the four corners of legal or righteousness right. talk, yep. let's say uh, legal uh, corners and when you do something and you know, it raises an issue there is say, a push from them Right. oh this is what we are doing Is also that you also have to face that push from the professional organization from let's say there are different organizations who regulate the professions. Yeah. There are there are governments who would say they are not doing it. They are doing all of the things ethically right. Then there are individuals or companies who will, through their press release, say everything is being done. So there are different forces which also has uh, an impact because um, uh, then you have to face those challenges, not only doing your research, but also having a pushback from the them.
1: Right. Uh, how far along are you in your PhD research, and uh, when can we expect to see your dissertation?
0: I am in my uh, in the last year of my research, so I, I hopefully by the end of March, uh, by the end of uh, I will be able to finish it. Hopefully, oh, fingers crossed. Yeah. So I, I plan to finish it by the end of March, but then maybe perhaps again I'll come back to you, or maybe I'll I'll be happy to have a one-on-one discussion with you and as you asking me questions. <laughs> Is there any yeah. loopholes in my research? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you so much, Sid, and I look forward to seeing the final outcome of your PhD research. And I wish you all the best. So folks, uh, that was my conversation with Sidesh Rao from India. I hope you found the discussion valuable in, in deepening your understanding of the political economy of global taxation, especially its impact on countries in the global south. As I mentioned earlier, this is a two-part podcast. In the next episode of this podcast, we will delve deeper into tax havens and their role in the political economy of taxation. So, I'll speak to you soon, and goodbye for now.